I want to start reading at verse 3. And just before you stand, let me tell you and remind you that um, we are talking now about Jesus' ministry and its temporal effect on the world. Obviously, uh, we talk in terms of his eternal purposes and effects on the world, uh, dying on the cross and what that means to the world eternally, but just Jesus' presence in the world uh, and as he engaged what it was he was doing, we recognize that he influenced those people around him. They are, uh, as it were, the fruit of his ministry. And so we noted for you last time that Jesus's influence in the world um, influenced workers. Uh, we said Martha served. We said that Jesus's influence influenced or his ministry influenced witnesses. Lazarus was a witness both symbolically and silently. And then we said that Jesus's ministry influenced worship and then of course influenced wickedness or exposed wickedness his very presence in the world as the light of the world exposed the darkness in the world and we saw that in the character of Judas which we will touch on just a bit my hope and desire is to elevate the person of Jesus from the text that's what we want to do today. But we go now to the text, uh, John chapter 12, verse 3. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor always have with you but you do not always have me you may be seated in the presence of the Lord the grass withers and the flower fades yet the word of our Lord shall stand forever in Jesus' name we pray amen, amen. again we note for you um, that Jesus's ministry influenced worship My grandfather used to tell the story of a little girl. Um, the I see you looking, Eric. I do have a little ring, just a little ring. I see you looking. Um, the McDuffie family were, were particularly um, expressive and um, influenced the church in which they attended and uh, I, I think it sounds better now. What, what do y'all feel like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a, a little bit more, Eric, so I can hear myself. Uh, it helps when I can hear, yeah, sounding good, sounding good. Uh, thank you, uh, little Posey, for keeping us squared away back there. The McDuffies were always at church, always in Sunday school, and little Agnes was particularly um, influenceable. She would hear what was being taught her and exercise that in her everyday life. And during worship that day, the pastor said that it was time to worship God with offerings. And as she came around the table, she climbed up into uh, the chair that sat beside the table and then he climbed onto the table and into the offering plate. Deacons asked, uh, why, Agnes, are you on the table in the offering plate? She said that my Sunday school, Miss Nora, Sunday school teacher, told me that if I'm going to worship, I should give my whole self. 
Agnes got it. She understood worship. When we worship, we give our whole self. Mary, in our text, understood worship. And we understand worship to come uh, from the old English worship or worthiness. And when we come to a biblical understanding, uh, Sinclair Ferguson helps us particularly in this area as we think about biblical worship. He said that it is an inward disposition expressed outwardly that recognizes and responds to the self-disclosure of God in creation, in providence, and in redemption. I'd like to say that again. He said that worship is an inward disposition that is expressed outwardly because I recognize and I respond to God's self-disclosure or his self-revealing. I respond to that in creation, in providence, how he works in life, and in his redemptive plan. Mary worshipped Jesus. Something started inward. She understood the truth of who Jesus was, primarily because Jesus revealed who he was. He said to them, last chapter, I am the resurrection and the life. Based on that truth, based on that understanding of who Jesus was, she was moved inwardly and expressed that outwardly because she recognized who Jesus was and responded with her gift and her glory. Brothers and sisters, I mean to say to you this morning in no uncertain terms that we worship God in spirit and in truth when we recognize who Christ is, it causes us necessarily to worship. I say that unapologetically. I don't need a lot of oomph behind that. It is just the truth. When you know who Jesus Christ is, that knowledge causes you to worship. And may I say parenthetically, brothers and sisters, um, I think it is a fruitless effort to ask you to lift your hands in worship prior to giving you the truth of who Jesus is. I cannot worship unless I have an understanding of the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Now, once I have that understanding, nothing nor no one can keep me from worshiping. Uh, even if I have to harm that thing out. When I understand who God is. The reason why, brothers and sisters, very quickly, we don't have true worshipers in our churches anymore is because people don't understand God. People don't understand who Jesus is. But I say again, 
when you understand who Jesus is, it necessitates worship. And we come to this text uh, and we see Mary's worship having been influenced by Christ's self-disclosure, by his revealing who he is. And then we see then, of course, the act of worship. We see the attack on worship, and we see the affirmation of worship. If you don't mind, I want to start with the act of worship. We must then necessarily synthesize both Matthew, Mark, and John. The text would read, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard in an alabaster flask, broke the flask, and anointed his head and the feet of Jesus, and she wiped his feet with her hair. Are you understanding what I'm doing? I'm taking what Matthew has said, what Mark has said, and what John has said. I do not believe, and I don't have time to deal with it um, hermeneutically, but the text in Luke 7 does not match this text. That is a completely different scenario. But what Matthew says, what Mark says, and what John says pulls together to give us this picture of what happens. And so when Mary recognizes who Jesus is, she bought her worship. She brought her worship. She broke in worship. And she bowed in worship. May I say to you that the perfume that she had worth an entire year's wages, she purchased, she bought her worship. She purchased it. She knew the price of worship. And then she brought it with her. You remember that we are not at Martha and Mary's home. We're at Simon's house, Simon the leper. And Mary knew before coming to the dinner that she was going to worship that day. She brought her worship with her and then if you were to look at the brokenness in the text and you say it related to um, the alabaster uh, flask itself, you'd say that it is a matter of contrition that our worship ought to be one that is broken and humbled before God. If you say that it is related to Mary, then we'd have to say that it is a matter of complete surrender to God. But not only did she break the flask, but she also bowed. The text says that she poured the nard on his head and it ran down to his feet. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that the glory of the woman is her hair. When it ran down to his feet, she bowed down, took down her hair. Now, now I understand that some of you have your hair pinned up and, and such, uh, but in this time, a woman would not unfurl her hair once it's pinned up in public. I would not let someone else see me take my hair down. It was scandalous for her to take down her hair 
bowed down before Jesus. See, you, you, you got to understand, she says that I'm worshiping with the oil, with the anointing, with the ointment, but that is outside of me. She says, I need to worship with my person. And she wipes his feet with her hair. Enough about that. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if you and I, Francis, if we are going to worship, I want you to understand that your worship must be premeditative. That is, you got to think about your worship before you get here. If you don't think about your worship once you get here, you cannot worship. And if you do not worship when you understand who God is, the Bible says that God will enact his wrath on you. I know you don't understand. Give me a moment. Just, 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 just a moment. The, the, the text says in John 2, you remember because you were here with me some years ago when we went through it, Jesus cleanse the temple they are selling in the temple I, I want you to understand this has nothing the text has nothing to do with selling at the church now I do believe uh, that the church ought to be supported by the giving of the people and not fish fries I do believe that but this text uh, John 2 isn't about the issue of selling. You remember the issue is that they had already the accoutrements of worship at the church. They already had the bulls and the sheep and the doves at the church so that when the people came from home, they didn't have to think about worship until they got to the church. God was saying, Jesus was saying, I need you to struggle with that ox and that bird and that dove on the way to worship. I need you to think about worship before you get there. I don't think you hear what I'm saying. That's the problem with churches today. People don't have their mind on worship until somebody says it's time for worship. But people who know who Jesus is can't turn it on and turn it off. That's why you're even in your car and you're worshiping. You're at the house and you're worshiping. You're washing dishes and you're worshiping. You're working on the car, pulling out that V8 and you're worshiping because you know who Christ is. And that's, why, that's why it's so hard. It's so hard to get people to worship at church because they ain't struggled with the worship at home. And Jesus says, if you don't take the time, to bring your worship. If you're not premeditative, he says, I'll be premeditative in my wrath. If you're not premeditative in your worship, I know I'm laboring this point, I'll have to skate through the others, but if you're not premeditative in your worship, Jesus says, I'll be premeditative in my wrath. The text says, John 2, that Jesus sat down and wove together, crafted a whip and whipped them out of the temple. Once you know who God is and you do not worship God, God brings his wrath. You need to be careful. You know what? It'll do you better not to come to church. Because as long as I have sense and breath in my body, I'm going to teach the word. Amen. Now you're responsible for what you know about Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you that if you do not worship, God will bring his wrath on your life. I'm not done. Romans 1 said, because they knew 
chose not to recognize him as God, that God turned them over to a reprobate mind. Did, did, I, did I scream that too loud? Kimberly, did, let, 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 let me try it again. I, uh, Romans chapter 1 says that they should have known by the visible things. You see trees outside. Clouds and the sun. I'm sorry. You ought to know there's a God somewhere. And because they chose not to recognize him as God. God says, since, listen carefully, you won't worship me. Watch this. Since you won't evaluate me and give me worth. He says, I'll turn you over to a worthless mind. A reprobate mind. That's why you see all of the crazy stuff going on in the world today. It's because God revealed himself and man chose not to worship him. Therefore, God gave him over to a reprobate mind, useless mind. And so I apologize for going on and on with that. But I want you to understand that you have to come here. It is not Plummer's job. It is not my job. It is not the deacon's job to get you ready for worship. You ought to leave here today planning for next Sunday. Getting yourself ready to worship God. How is it that you lay out your work clothes but you got to find your clothes on Sunday? I don't know. How is it that you plan every day for work but do not plan to worship God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm. And, and, and so we, we, we also must know. I don't know how far I'm going to get today. I apologize. We also must know the price of worship. We must know that worship costs. Get your mind in the spirit. Somebody's, somebody's thinking that I'm going to make a pitch for tithes, offerings at this. No. Your worship to God ought to cost you something. You ought not just be somebody who participates perfunctorily in worship. But you ought to be somebody who stands out and says, whatever it costs me, I'm going to give God everything I got. Wait, 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 wait. Um, that's what David said. He, he, he got in trouble. God told him, listen, I need you to give me a sacrifice. And David gets ready to sacrifice and the guy who owns the place says oh the king is here oh uh, king listen now oh, you don't have to uh, buy the auction for the sacrifice you don't have to buy the altar I'll just give it to you David said I'm not going to worship God with something that cost me nothing? Oh, brothers and sisters, if you're going to worship God, you ought to give him everything you have. No, oh, I'm by myself on that one. Let me try it again. Your worship ought to cost you something. You ought to come here and say that I gave everything I am to God. Oh, 
Just can I put it on the bottom shelf? Every now and then, you ought to need to have to wash your clothes because you exerted yourself in worship. Every now and then, you ought to have a handkerchief that's full of mascara because of the way you've worshiped God. You ought to leave here and need a nap. Oh, you ought to exert yourself. We got to give it all. Just so. Van de Venture said he was struggling about a life in art. Or should he have a life given over to the work of evangelism? And JT, after struggling between art and evangelism, he finally settled on this. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that if you're going to worship God, you should surrender Everything you have. I want to be the guy that says I surrender all. Not only do we see the act of worship, we see the attack on worship. Again, synthesizing what Matthew, Mark, and John has to say. The text says, but Judas... One of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, and when the disciples saw it, the disciples, the disciples saw it, they were indignant and said to themselves indignantly, why this waste? Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And they scolded her. Judas attacked her worship. And he did so because of his own self-interests. The Bible says it was because he helped himself to what was in the bag. But it was also infectious. If you look at uh, the texts, what you find is Mark says that some of them, Matthew is a bit more narrow in saying the disciples. Judas, or rather John, comes all the way down and pinpoints who it is. It's Judas who starts this process. But the deal is that if you let Judas do what he wants to do, Judas will affect, infect of the people in worship. You, 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 you got to keep your eye on Judas because he wants to. In fact, real people who are trying to worship, he wants to get their minds off of worship. Brothers, I'm saying to you, sisters, I'm saying to you, be careful that you don't find yourself in the place of trying to be all godly. Evaluate somebody else's 
worship. <laughs> I, I wish I could preach a little while. I, 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 when, I, when I think about that, I think about Numbers 16. And, and if you don't mind, I don't mean to make you hungry. But when I think about Numbers 16, I think about ground meat. <laughs> oh, be careful when God has somebody in place. That person is worshiping. Be careful how you evaluate their worship. God called Moses and Aaron, set them in place. The sons of Korah said, we're just as good as Moses. I can swing a censer. Just as good as Moses. I can put a fire in my censer. Just as good as Moses. I can parade with my family. Just as good as Moses. And and, and, and Moses said, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, you come on with your worship, and I'll come with my worship, and let's see which one of us God chooses. And while Korah and his family stood in front of the tent, the ground opened and swallowed them whole. I'm sorry, that's what I think about ground meat. I'm sorry. I just, and look, they're there trying to evaluate Moses' worship and Aaron's worship, and God ground them. And brothers and sisters, you need to be careful that you're not in the place of core. Wait, 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 let's try it again. The ark of God, the presence of God came into town. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, and David almost lost his mind. He's going through the crowd and uh, set his dignity aside, took off some of his clothes, and he's going through the town worshiping God. And his wife, Micah, is standing looking. Adam is saying, look at that fool. Dancing like that, you got to know some girl is looking at it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. And the Bible relates her barrenness to her evaluation. Let me try it again. When she evaluated David's worship, then the Bible says she never bore any children. (laughs) That's the reason why some of you cannot worship. Here it is, it's on the bottom shelf. Because you are always looking at somebody else and trying to see whether or not it's real. (laughs) You can't worship because you're watching somebody else and remembering what they used to do. The reason why your worship is barren, the reason why you have no children, no fruit of worship, is because you've taken your eyes off God and put your eyes on men. Let me tell you, if you want to truly worship, stop looking at everybody else. truly want to worship get your mind off of the folk you don't know you don't know you don't know what I went through to get to where I am and uh, you don't know I'm sorry I'm trying to keep coming I gotta, I gotta go you cannot evaluate my worship you, 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 you do better to concentrate on yourself. 
able to do what I do. So, so, so you better be careful with looking at other folk. You don't understand the trouble they had to go through. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to pause here. You don't remember the nights they lay awake with tears in their eyes. You don't know how long they were without a job. And God still saw them through. You don't know how many times they had to eat sardines and my favorite beanie weenies. You don't know how many times God saw them through. So you are not judge their worship. I ain't gonna be able to finish. I'm sorry. But you don't judge somebody else's worship. You don't know why they rock the way they do. I'm sorry. I, I gotta go a little further. But you don't know why they cry the way they cry. You don't know why they clap the way they clap. The best thing for you to do is get your eyes off them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't lost control. Uh, let, let me come back. Y'all give me a moment. Okay, wait. Hold. Let me have a few more minutes. I'm, I'm done. I'm sorry. Shh. I'm sorry. So we got to be careful. Jones, Francis, y'all sit down. Y'all, uh, uh, look, I, just, just a few more minutes, if you don't mind. I, I got too excited. I, I, I apologize. But we got to be careful and make sure that our evaluation aligns with Christ. Plumber, I do not want to be on the other side of Christ's evaluation. <laughs> Have you ever, in a situation with a boss or with a parent, stood up and announced your opinion only then to have the boss all the parents come in and say something totally different that's what Judas did Judas announced this is a waste I don't understand why this wasn't sold and watch how spiritual he is and given to the poor how many people could have been helped with an entire year's wages. And Jesus steps in and says, don't bother. What? See, see, see I, don't, I don't have time to talk about it. Yeah, he mad. I, see, 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 what happens is John says six days before the Passover. I, I don't try to get into all this, but six days before the Passover, and he works from the event to its results. Uh, Matthew and Mark say two days before the Passover. Because they start with the results. Judas runs and tells the religious leaders and betray him. And they stop and say, oh, well, let me tell you how we got here. Then they go back and tell the story where Mary washes his feet with her hair. And so this is what's going on in Judas's mind. He's so rebuked at this moment. Now this is the final straw that breaks the camel's back. He leaves and goes to the religious leaders to betray. Jesus says, don't bother her. It's for my burial, and it's beautiful. 
That's what the text said. I didn't make that up. He said, don't bother her. It's for my burial. They, they would spend sums of money on burying people. I'm almost done. I'm going to let you go on time. I promise. Look, um, they would send um, perfumes and spices along with the body to make sure that the decaying process did not escape the tomb, as it were. And, and, and I, I wish I had time to talk about it, but, but with Jesus... Time is not sequential. Jesus is outside of time. And he's saying, what she's doing now is for me in six days. Well, I wish I had time to talk about it. He says, it's for my burial and it's beautiful. Oh, that's why if I had time, but I don't, that's why the old folk was saying, give me my flowers. Oh, I'm trying to keep calm. Do you guys appreciate that I'm trying to keep calm? Give me my flowers while I live. And that's what she did for Jesus. She gave him worship while he could smell them. Woo! I wish I had time. Y'all preach that to yourself later here. He said it was beautiful. Then he said, everywhere. Uh, the gospel message is preached. Somebody will talk about her. That's what I want. That's what I want. I, I, I want to work for Christ and worship him in such a way that people for generations to come say that when that man worshiped, I understood something about Jesus. That, that, that's what we're saying about Mary. We're saying the way she worshiped, we understand something about Jesus. I, I, I got a lot I'm going to have to skip over. But, 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 but can, I, can, I, can I just tell you that Satan, Satan used to Direct the choir, liturgically. Uh, I want to throw that word out because some people will remember what I'm saying. He used to lead the choir. He was fired. Heaven needed a new worship leader. In Hebrews, and I'm done, in Hebrews chapter 12, the text says, you've not come again to Mount Sinai, something you can smell, see, and stroke. Do y'all remember the text? Yeah. He, he, he's discussing worship, and he says, you've not come again to that fearful place in the wilderness of sin where you smelled the burnings um, the blaze of God's presence or, or where the mountain and you couldn't touch the mountain or you could see the cloud you, it, it, we, we, we're not there he says but, but you've come to Mount Zion Mount Zion is the habitation of God. And we're not there alone. Jesus is there mediating so that the people in heaven worship around the throne and people at Old Hogwell. <laughs> I already told y'all this. Y'all should be shouting with me. We, we, I'm already done. You understand what I'm saying. The people at Ohogwell are worshiping, and Christ is standing in the middle, directing worship. What? What? I don't know. I don't know. You're not excited about that. I'm saying that, yeah, oh, boy, I got to tell you, I'm sentimental that way. I think about it all the time, and I told you, I still blow the horn when I go by Mama Teen's house, but, 
But I say, doggone it, Mama Teen didn't get a chance to come in here. That, that, that's, that's, I, oh man, Beasley? Oh man. Yeah, now, now, like it or not, that's, Beasley always said, he pulled me to the side and said, so we gotta build a church. We gotta, we gotta build a church. He, 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 he allowed, as it were, us to do this, but he wanted to build. And so Beasley doesn't get the chance. And then others never get the chance. But the good news is, not only are they worshiping in heaven right now, but Christ is standing in the middle Connecting us this morning with what is going on in heaven right now. And that's why you got to be real in your worship. Because it's not just in here, but we've been lifted up to Mount Zion. And we're all worshiping with all those folk who's going on home. Lord, I wish I had somebody in here who was excited about that. No, no, no. That's what, hold, hold on. You are not worshiping by yourself. But it's Jesus standing in the middle coordinating what's going on here and what's going on there. And that's why I'm telling you, you got to get your worship together. Go ahead and, as it were, when you came to the choir, you'd warm up your voice. And I'm telling you right now, you should go ahead and warm up your worship. So that when you get here, nobody has to pump you up. And not only that, you are to practice right now. Because, because, you hear the old people say, I'm done. I, look, I'm done. The old folks say, yeah, this is just a rehearsal. When we get to heaven, we're going to really sing. Why? I'll say it again because I, I, I said I'm done. I'm serious. Look right here. But this is just a rehearsal. Because when we get to heaven, that's what Revelation 4 and 5 is about. We are worshiping in heaven. And brothers and sisters, I don't want to be on the wrong side of Jesus' opinion. Wait a minute. Oh, my goodness. I'm done. I'm closing this up. I'm, I'm done. I, I, all, all, all I want to say is, listen. Oh, oh. Listen. Jesus said, don't bother her. She's doing it for me. It's beautiful. Listen, the word said she was okay. <laughs> and that's what I want to do. I want to worship in accordance with the word of God. And when I worship prescriptively, according to the principles of scripture, don't you bother me about my preferences. And I know some of my preached brothers are more articulate and more quiet and poised in what they do. But that ain't where I came from. Y'all don't want me to tell you my hymn now. I'm, just, I'm trying to say that I do what scripture says I ought to do, but every now Y'all, it, it just, look, look, now, now, I know, I know that it's not all about feelings. I got to go, I'm sorry. 
But when I know what I know. Listen, watch this. Something inside of me keeps telling me. Yeah, that, 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 that's all I'm saying. I got to go. I'm done. I'm done. But, but, but I can feel, based on what I know, I can feel him on the inside. And I don't mind telling somebody, I got to go. I'm done. I'm sorry. Forgive me, okay? I mean, I've been here this long. You ought to just, just forgive me. But listen, listen, listen. The Bible says, Sheila, I know you got to go. You probably got to listen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Huh. Let me try it again. I'm trying to say that if God has done anything for you, you are not mind letting somebody know that God has been good to me. Lord, you are not mind opening your mouth and giving God the best praise that you have. Telling somebody that God has been good to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Woo. Uh, uh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, man. Oh, man. We testify about everything else. 